Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Law & Candor. I'm Rob, and I'm here, as always, with Bill Mariano. Understanding risk. Well, understanding risk is foundational, especially when you're trying to operate a business or advise clients. And legal professionals are often sort of caught in the crosshairs of this, especially um, with corporate legal teams and attorneys striving to kind of meet a dual role. They're trying to be better business partners and innovators, but also, you know, a lawyer's job is always to balance risk. And sometimes those things, those two uh, objectives come into conflict. We're exciting to have today Megan Ferraro, who's Associate General Counsel of eDiscovery and Information Governance at Meta. Um, Megan is going to be on the show today to discuss how to strategically approach this delicate balancing act. However, before we get to our conversation with Megan, we first must discuss sightings of radical brilliance. This, of course, is the part of the show where we bring you the latest news of noteworthy innovation and acts of sheer genius. And Bill, what do we have today? I'm not sure if this is an act of sheer genius as much as an acknowledgement of the times, but there's a Reuters article from January 11th. to stem lawyer attrition, law firms must look beyond cash, a report. And so you know, what this talks about essentially is the great resignation and how law firms are dealing with it, right? So nearly a quarter of associates left for another firm during the past 12 months. Um, and, and it's going to require more than just increasing compensation. I, you know, in talking to some of our clients, I've noticed a lot of it has to do with work from home policy, uh, you know, and it, and the, we have their associates basically coming in during uh, negotiations and saying, yeah, it's great that you can match this salary and the market rate, but uh, how often do I have to be in the office? I mean, that seems to be a general theme uh, across the board, but it's it's affecting law firms as well. For for sure, work from home has emerged. I think as one of the you know one of the biggest motivations to make a move, and it's kind of interesting. Like with, I mean, a quarter of associates leaving in a twelve month span, like that that's a huge movement. Like I've never seen anything like that in you know the years that you know I've been in the legal space. I think it kind of almost has a snowball effect. You know, the more that you see friends leaving, the kind of easier it makes it for you to leave and and to make a move. And you're right. It's kind of interesting. Like the, you know, associate salaries are pretty lockstep, you know, at different firms. So it's not like you're leaving necessarily for a huge pay bump. I, I think you're right. It's like these factors working from home or going to a practice group that, you know, you're more interested in seems to be driving things a little more. Yeah, I think, you know, and and law firms have never been more profitable, right? The numbers in this report that were coming out that bill rates were up 4% from 2020 and double digit growth in profits per equity partner across all law uh, law firm segments, according to the report. I, you know, it's so, so then it becomes, and, and if, and if law firms are going to accept lateral hires, they're going to lose lateral hires, right? I mean, it's just, it's more competitive than ever. And I think it's more than just salary at this point. So it's, it's work from home, it's policy, it's, you know, a million other things. And law firms are going to have to get creative if they want to hold on to these associates. Because let's face it, an associate is not only a billable hour for them, it's also an investment in the future of the firm. And you want to, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a um, ideal state, what you want to do is uh, groom someone from out of law school to eventually become a partner at your firm. And that's becoming less and less of a, of the norm. Yeah. And I think it, it just kind of fits in with more of what we see in general of, you know, people not necessarily staying at the same job nearly as long as maybe, you know, even when we started our careers, which again, makes us sound dated and old, but I, I guess that's, that's the fact. Well, I mean, I'll I'll agree with one part of what you said. You you certainly are dated and old. So anyway, check out that article January 11th on Reuters. Um, if you're interested in the great resignation, how it's affecting law firms, 
Coming up now, we have our conversation with Megan Farrar, as Rob alluded to. This is a really great conversation. Megan's at, at Meta. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. All right, so we're going to welcome our guest, Megan Ferraro. She, she's the Associate General Counsel over at Meta um, in charge of e-discovery e and information governance. Megan, thank you so much for joining us at Law & Candor. I'm going to ask you a question that we ask everybody here because it's always an interesting question. When you grew up, did you want to get into e-discovery? Like when you were a little girl, were you just like, I need to get into e-discovery? And if so, how did you make that dream come true? I always wanted to be a lawyer <laughs> from the age of seven on, but um, definitely did not know about e-discovery at that time. So thank you so much for having me on the Law Candor podcast today. Um, I uh, do want to first say that the statements that I'm going to make here and opinions are those of my own and not of my company. Um, so um, getting into e-discovery, I've, I've chosen the practice of e-discovery and information governance because of the ever-evolving nature of this practice area. No two days are the same. Um, I also have an interest and an aptitude for understanding the combination of law and technology. Uh, and finally, I get gratification from knowing I've provided the merits attorneys with the best foundation to defend or prosecute the case on the merits of the law um, with as much information as possible to do so. A lot of attorneys tend to say that they fell into this area of law, and I wonder why these attorneys are not giving credit more to how dynamic and exciting this practice area can be and why so many of us are choosing it today. Uh, so this practice area has become a true expertise in the legal industry, and those of us in it should ensure we're evangelizing about it and encouraging the next generation of lawyers to choose it. So I started my journey into learning about e-discovery while I was a government lawyer with the city of Chicago in 2006. I found the transition from paper to electronic records and all the rules um, that came along with that and implications and advancements that were possible to be fascinating. I continued my journey when I joined my first in-house corporate role in 2007 as a litigation attorney. As I managed my first major litigation matter for the company, I saw how the explosion of electronic information could cripple a party in litigation if it was not managed efficiently and with the proper QC steps in place. In this corporate role, my enthusiasm for this area of law quickly earned me the role of e-discovery expert for the company. And in this role, I had the opportunity to develop the company's e-discovery program. After standing up best practices in this area, I also earned the opportunity to develop into the company's information governance expert as well. Can't have a good e-discovery program without having a great information governance program as well. I practiced in this area while maintaining my litigation caseload as well. Um, so in, in 2019, I embraced the opportunity to go all in on e-discovery and information governance by joining Meta in my current role. So that's how I got to where I am today. I mean, I'm pumped. Yeah, yeah like of any <laughs> guess. That, that, that's the best I've ever felt about being in e-discovery. That's, that's awesome. I'm t can I steal that answer and tell it to my mom? I, I'll fill in the parts where I didn't work at Meta and stuff or, or for, for, for the government. But other than that... No, Megan, that's great. And maybe we can just dive in a little bit. I think that the, you know, the evolution of in-house, you know, corporate legal teams has been kind of interesting. You know, historically, I think sometimes there's been the temptation to look at legal as a cost center and something that sort of just, you know, reacts to issues. But it seems like there's really been a shift and that legal departments are now playing a bigger role in strategy and innovation. I'm just curious, from your perspective, how have you seen this progression start to happen? 
I think in-house legal teams are playing a bigger role in corporate strategy and innovation because the role of in-house counsel has evolved greatly in the past few decades. I think there's been a big change in the mindset of successful companies from looking at legal as a blocker to looking at legal as a partner and ensuring the company is hiring in-house teams who can fill the roles where legal partners with the business to identify and address legal risks early on. I think in-house counsel have necessarily become advocates for why legal deserves a seat at the table at all levels of the company. Additionally, I think successful legal teams are partnering internally to ensure lawyers across the practice groups get early signals to be ready to address potential inquiries and litigation. All of this leads to the overall success of the business. So let's talk about any trends that you may have seen more broadly in the way legal teams are supporting innovation. Yeah, I think um, one area that fascinates me is the development of the role of product counsel at tech companies. This is a fascinating role that I don't think existed 20 years ago. Uh, The most effective product counsel partner with the business teams early on in the product process, have a deep understanding of the product goals early to identify and address legal issues accurately and serve as a go-between with legal and the product teams. I think this model could be applied to any partnership between legal and the business. Um, But that, since joining Meta, I've gotten to know so much more about that role. And I I think it's really fascinating and and a great way to show how partnering with the business can help innovation. Yeah. And what's interesting, too, is there's one thing about corporate legal departments that still is always the same. You know, the primary role is to assess risk and, you know, look at the legal implications of actions that people are taking. You know, maybe it's different in a technology company than it is, you know, in another company. But what do you see as the most critical risk challenges that, you know, legal teams are facing today? I think it's keeping up with the pace of the business. Um, And this is even more true at technology companies. The business teams oftentimes do not appreciate how even the smallest difference in facts can contribute to different outcomes in the law. And managing expectations of the business team in this way with regards to the time it takes to do this analysis is really important. An old colleague of mine, when I first went in-house, said you have to make sure that the business teams understand that the law is not minute rice. (laughs) And that has really stuck with me. And I've really enjoyed uh, reflecting on that from time to time. And it gives me permission to feel okay about it takes time to think about these tough issues sometimes. That's that's really great. I'm I'm using that one too. I'm I'm I'm, I'm basically <laughs> plagiarizing everything you're saying today. I mean, the, so let's talk about the the balancing act that that has to be done with with legal teams and organizations with regard to risk and innovation. Because, you know, when you're weighing that uh, from on a on a on a business decision, um, you know, that's where you're sort of you're you're going to have to weigh in right with your level of expertise. So talking personally, right, not talking about your organization generally, but talking personally, how what do you see as the balancing act that has to be performed between uh, risk and innovation. I think the balancing act is really to make sure that you're keeping up with the pace and ensuring that the lawyers have the time they need to fully assess the legal risks while not blocking innovation. As I said earlier, one of the areas that I love about eDiscovery is the support that we can provide to get people the information they need to make the decisions and to assess the risk. Um, The other side of this practice is information governance, and that has the element of ensuring the company has the information that they need and that their information is cared for and accessible. 
Uh, I think advancements in technology are absolutely critical in managing all of this information, uh, whether it's for daily business needs or for production and legal matters. Um, if the other in-house lawyers do not have the information they need to assess legal risks, um, they can't move as fast to help the company innovate. Let's talk about, you know, propelling innovation rarely happens in a vacuum, right? So in your experience, uh, how best can can legal work with other functions in the organization to ensure strategic priorities are advanced through new deals or technology, for example, while balancing the risk factors at the same time? I, I think the number one area here is listening. So many lawyers want to have big impact, but this cannot be done if we don't know what is most important to our clients. And this can change very often, especially in a fast-paced environment. This information collected can then be used to determine how best to assist with advancing the strategic priorities, knowing not just what these priorities are, but how the business is interpreting them and what success means to the business. And gathering all of this through really good listening skills will contribute to the to the most successful legal partners um, for for balancing the risk factors and uh, supporting innovation. And Megan, as part of Women's History Month, we're asking each guest to give a tip that they would offer to other women, you know, in this technology legal space. What's something um, that you'd recommend to help each other succeed or amplify, um, you know, other women's voices? Be specific and confident about what you can bring to the table. Don't be apologetic or minimize your expertise. Um, I can I can add a story to this that I have the privilege of being a mom of two future female leaders of our country. And um, my four year old a couple months ago started saying, I'm sorry, every time she got an answer wrong to something, every time we corrected the spelling of something she's already spelling. <laughs> so every time we gave her some direction, she kept apologizing. I have no idea where this came from, but it had to come from the parents. So it really caused me to stop and reflect as I was providing her with redirection to to recognize that um, uh, as as my oldest daughter's elementary school teacher said, when we when we make mistakes, when we fail, our brains grow. <laughs> um, and so I really think that we need to embrace um, the opportunities for challenges and failures um, to continue to learn and grow, but then also be very proud evangelize about our, our practice area and what we've chosen to do in life and um, and recognize that we we deserve a seat at the table. I absolutely, absolutely love that, Megan. That was fantastic. Thanks for joining us. If I could pick out, I mean, I, I'm going to plagiarize this whole thing. I'm going to go back and listen to our own podcast, which I rarely do for my own ego's sake, because Rob just thinks my head gets bigger and bigger every time I do it. Um, but I'm going to do it this time because I'm going to steal a bunch of your lines you know, primarily because I, when my mom asked me what I do, I sort of like br bring my head back down like this because I used to be a practicing attorney and now I'm not. Now I'm going to be more proud of what I do. So sh your sheer enthusiasm is one thing I took out of it, but also just the fact that advanced technology is sort of essential to a well-run legal department these days, but that, that that's always going to create a balancing act with regard to risk and how much to leverage that innovation. I just like a couple of the points you made there I thought, I thought were great. Megan, thanks a lot for doing this. Um, I appreciate not only that uh, we appreciate not only what you brought to the podcast, but also the story about your daughter, because my sister had the same problem for years and my mother used to try to like break it out of her. And finally she did. Now my sister is a very confident woman who rarely apologizes, especially to me. So thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Megan. Thank you. 
Hello, and thank you, listeners, for joining us once again on Long Candor as we continue to explore the legal technology revolution. Please, please, please be sure to subscribe, like, follow us on Twitter. Give us more of your attention. We love it. Um, Thanks again for supporting us.